Well, folks, welcome to another edition of the WTOP Huddle. I am Rob Whitfork. I am uh, at the controls again for uh, Dave Johnson, who is on assignments. I am joined, as usual, by uh, George Wallace, Dave Preston, Chris Chion, all on board. And uh, George, you are the uh, resident Washington football team beat reporter. You're the guy who knows all the inside dirt. They're starting mini camp. How's it looking today? Uh, hot, hot, um, cicada forecast, not bad out there at all, all right. compared to where, you know, some areas. Do we have some cicadas uh, other, running routes or what's that? Do we have some cicadas running routes today or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad though. No. Uh, look, their th- uh, first three day uh, mandatory mini camp this week. He already gave them a week off of the off season program because he liked the way they showed up to OTA. So instead of this being week three of OTAs, it is the mini camp, which means this will be the end of the off season after uh, Thursday. And then they'll have the break before training camp. Everybody worried about Chase Young. He is here in attendance. He was in and out of the building. He said during OTAs as uh, he's been working out, don't worry about Chase Young. As he said, he's a baller and ready to go. The best part about what Chase Young said today, he's had five photo shoots to do this offseason with stuff coming out because, Hey, when you're a baller and you play like that, you get those opportunities. But he says he's a, uh, he's uh, good to go. All three quarterbacks were participating. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, uh, even Steven Montez for all you big number six fans out there. He was out there as well, but uh, 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 Curtis Samuel, the, the, the notable one, not there. He tweaked his growing last week during OTAs, but I don't think it's anything uh, serious, but, um, look, it was good to see him out there still in shell, uh, still in helmets and shorts. Let's not get carried away, but it's another step closer to training camp and seeing this team on the field with the uh, new additions that they have. And I think, cause I, I didn't have a chance to go out to OTA. So I got to see Ryan Fitzpatrick today. I think we're going to have some fun watching this guy I really do. We've seen him from afar over these years, but I mean, I, I think it's, I just think it's going to be fun. I mean, yeah, the guys chirping out there a little bit, Chase Young had the defense fired up. They go from one field to the other, and they were just storming the other offensive field. Like, they were just ready to make plays. Uh, Terry McLaurin out there making plays, uh, yelling at the defense. So, it's fun to hear. It's fun to see. And, and you know, you're getting closer to football. So, that, uh, that was nice. And when you were talking about Fitzpatrick, you know, I was looking on Twitter and a bunch of people, like, uh, one timeline, it's like, oh, he just got picked off. Oh, wait, he just had a really great throw. And it's just rise and fall that is Ryan (laughs) Fitzpatrick. It's like he's equal parts amazing, but also pretty mind-boggling in terms of some of the bad throws that he makes. Um, Dave, we're going to have to live with that. We're going to have to live with it. Right. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. And when you were talking about chase young, having all the photo shoots and stuff, I mean, it comes to mind. He's the face of the franchise. Really. He's a local guy. He's a big star. Uh, he won defensive rookie of the year. It just looks like this is kind of, uh, this is kind of his team for all intents and purposes, at least until they get themselves a franchise quarterback. Right. Ryan Kerrigan was that guy. I mean, let's be honest. He was face of the franchise. Now he's gone. Um, you know, Morgan Moses, I feel like he wasn't, yeah, no, he wasn't, but he's the guy, like, he was the guy they were kind of building around as far as putting out there in the face because he's look, he was the consistent one here for all these years. And he had quarterbacks come and go in and out, but Kerrigan was the guy, but now he's gone. And I think you're right. I mean, Chase Young is that guy. Uh, and they look, they have the, they have the good young nucleus to, to build around. I mean, and when they get that quarterback, that's next big, next big piece. But I think, you know, I, 
totally fine with how they're approaching this year in quarterback. I know you wanted Cam Newton. And I, I was going to get that out of the way. Get it out of the way. He's uh, hurt already. No, I, I, he's what? He's hurt already. He already That's right. Oh, See? Yeah. There you go. But no, um, it, it's – I like the direction they're going, and it's going to be. I can't wait to see these pieces come together on offense and defense. All right. Dave. Three thoughts. Three thoughts on uh, you know the uh, the mini camp, mandatory mini camp that's underway. We talked about cicadas. I think they're more of a special teams insect. They're just you know they're all around the place. You know the havoc and what have you. Then they disappear for sixteen plays, and then they're back, and they're the most important <laughs> thing ever. Fair. Two, I love if, uh, if uh, our listeners and viewers out there have a chance to check out Twitter. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and a few of the other players on the team. When kids have their first day of school, they say, "My name is." Ricky, my teacher is Mr. McGonagall, and I'm this tall and this many pounds. Brian Fitzpatrick, Terry McLaurin, a few of the other guys had a thing chalkboard where he's, I'm, you know, however old, I'm this tall, and he did it in actual inches instead of feet and what have you. Cute thing to check out on Twitter. Yeah. I've actually retweeted it at DAB it is. Press their social, their social media team is yeah. killing it. The, yeah, they are. They, they, and third, we've talked a little bit about the infusion of talent, and we ta- we've talked about the departure of some of the mainstays, and we'd be very curious to see on September 1st how many of the 53, how many guys on the 53 this year were on the 53 when Ron Rivera arrived? I think, yes, we there have been some obvious changes. Dwayne Haskins departing last year, Ryan Kerrigan departing. But I think you're seeing a lot of the rank and file guys from the previous regime. If they aren't already gone, they're close to being gone. And Ron Rivera's guys are here. It's it's amazing with the NFL nowadays. Back in the day, you could just cut all the guys with contracts. It's a little bit different. But it's amazing how you can easily turn over a roster within the span of a year or two. And Ron Rivera in the front office has done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, nobody's safe. If you if you were on this roster before, and I, I don't know the exact number, uh, we have to check it out. But look, I mean, just the Morgan Moses thing a couple of weeks ago. And then Jerron Christian, I mean, you know, I, I didn't think for a second that they were going to cut Morgan Moses or move on for him, from him right away. Uh, you know, maybe contract time, a different, different, different story. But that was a surprise to me. So, yeah, if you were here before, keep your head on a swivel because, you know, yeah, and that's going to happen. And, and I, w- I would have I, I would have understood that more if they were hurting for cap space and they needed to clear that $7 million. Right, right. They're, they're flush with cap space, um, at least within the top 10 of teams that uh, have the most cap space. Uh, Chi, jump in here, bud. Yeah, Chase Young arriving. That makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy, and they're doing fun stuff with the – Twitter pictures and whatnot, but I am hoping to see um, more tweets about good plays being made on the field, especially on the defensive side and guys stepping up because I still really am trying to see, is it going to be Chase Young? Who is the second year player who's guiding this defense captain wise? Is it going to be somebody in the secondary? Is it going to be a guy like Landon Collins and how is their linebacking core going to perform this year? Because I think that's probably the biggest question mark on the defensive side. And then on the offensive side, I think we had the conversation, I don't know, recently. Yeah, the skill guys are there, and we know Fitzpatrick's going to air it out. We know he's going to throw interceptions. We know the running back's there. Is the line going to protect, though? We lost some veteran pieces there, and do we think guys like Sadiq Charles are just going to step in and be able to start and play consistent snaps? That's kind of where my worries are concerning at the moment, the linebacking position and the offensive line. 
Right. And Sadiq two, Charles was at uh, Sadiq Charles was playing a little left tackle today. So that that was good to see. Yeah, and to Cheese point, I mean, they're basically just assuming that Sam Cosme is going to come in and he's just going to ball out because he's a second round pick. I, a lot of what I heard is that he's a little more raw than that. So it'll be interesting to see how that tackle play uh, plays out as we get to games that uh, that actually take place. <laughs> so um, let's uh, let's play a fun exercise here. Today is election day. So, um, you know, I thought it would be cool if we did something uh, a little fun and different. So here in Washington, a lot of times we'll ask questions like, you know, what would it be like if, you know, Ted Leonsis owned the Washington football team or, you know, what if such and such player played for another team? Well, today we're going to play that game. We're assembling a DC uh, super team. And we're going to do it. We're going to pick an owner. We're going to pick a front office person. We're going to pick a head coach. And we're going to pick a superstar player who would be on this Washington super team. And now I'll go. I thought this was the super team right here. (laughs) Well, since we aren't as athletic as some of these guys Uh, actually played to be, I mean, Hey, look, our softball team is pretty good. Back to back uh, playoff berths. Okay. So we're. And they're so good. They wouldn't let you in the league this year because they're scared. (laughs) Well, actually, my shoulder's messed up. But other than that, I'll actually go first. I'll lead us off so you guys have a sense of what it is that we're talking about here. Now, for this D.C. super team, and it's comprised of current D.C. sports figures, I'm going to go a little outside the box here for the owner. I'm going to say Mark Ein of the Washington Castles. Six titles for the world team tennis team locally. They built their home court on a rooftop at Union Market. What is more brilliant than that? You want an owner who has that sort of foresight front office position. And this isn't unique necessarily to talent evaluators. So I'm going to go Jason Wright of the Washington football team. I got a chance to interview him last year. He's charismatic. He's brilliant. He's capable of setting a culture from the top down. We have yet to see what he's going to do with this rebranding of the name and, uh, and what he's able to do in terms of uh, trying to get the team, a new state of the art stadium, but so far in his first year on the job, um, positive marks there for uh, Jason Wright. For the head coach, I mean, it's got to be Ron Rivera, <laughs> doesn't it, in town here. His one-loss record uh, leaves a little something to be desired, but he can set a good culture. I don't think that that's even up for debate at this point. The, what he's been able to do here in Washington, uh, even though they had a losing record last year, uh, they were markedly better than they were the year before, and they certainly appear to be on the right path. Now, I almost went Chase Young for the superstar player just so that we keep everybody with sort of local ties, but I'm going to go Max Scherzer for my superstar player. He's um, he's a great ambassador for the team on and off the field. He won two of his three Cy Young Awards here, and I think once he goes into the Hall of Fame, it's almost certain he'll be the first real national uh, to uh, go into Cooperstown. So that's my uh, super team right there. Uh, George, what's yours? I'm not batting second tonight. I can't bat second because I, I got to, you know, I got I to gotta think about this. All right, more. so we'll slide you down the batting order. Dave Preston. All right, first, <laughs> Mr. Cotter. Uh, no, first, uh, owner, I'm going to go with Ted Leonsis. Uh, he's been a fantastic uh, – he's – been an owner of not just the Capitals, but the Wizards over the last uh, you know decade plus. He's created a great environment and great atmosphere at uh, Capital One Arena. 
uh, an arena that you know he owes a lot to Abe Poland for uh, you know uh, building uh, in the city after this team was a suburban uh, after both teams were suburban uh, franchises for the you know the, the the entirety of their existence. What I like about Ted is that even though he technically owns the team or he's a majority partner, he doesn't come off as an owner per se. He's more of a steward. He knows that the fans that the faithful, the people buying tickets, they have a different sort of ownership in the Caps and the Wizards. And he, he, I think he's he, he's done a fantastic job as a steward of the team. Uh, executive, I'm going with Mike Rizzo. Uh, you know, he helped build. He, he had a little bit of luck landing Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper with number one picks back-to-back seasons. But he also uh, had the foresight to make perhaps one of the best free agent signings ever in bringing Max Scherzer to D.C. And Max outperformed the contract. Uh, Mike Rizzo is going to have a lot of tough choices to face over the next couple of years. But building, uh, you know, multiple division uh, champions over the years under multiple managers and a World Series champion, you have to handle it to Rizzo. Also, they have a great uh, facility down in West Palm Beach. And you can't knock uh, the atmosphere that they have in and around uh, the, uh, the Nats Park on South Capitol Street. Best coach, my, my, my coaching all-star, I'm going to go amateur on. It's going to go with Brenda Freeze as uh, she enters her 20th season, leading the Maryland Terrapins, national champion as a coach. She also graduates uh, every one of her players that spends four years there. She's done so on, uh, with, in different leagues, with different styles, and under a wide array of assistant coaches. And those who follow the college game know, especially college hoops, know that a coaching staff can make or break a head coach. And if, if a coaching staff changes sometimes, and it even happened with Brendan in 2010, 2011, a program can take a little bit of a hit and it takes a while for a coaching staff to find and a coach and a program to find its bearings. She's barely missed a step uh, since getting the team in the tournament. They've made the WNIT once. I think they made the quarterfinals last year, that year. So she's my coach player. Got to go with Ovi. I'm, I was tempted to go with Max, but uh, I'm going with Alex Ovechkin. Guy came here, created uh, he, he as uh, much as anyone else has made this into a, a hockey fevered city, rocking the red. Uh, his uh, and just so happy to see him win a Stanley Cup a few years ago. And when he retires, he will be one of the top ten players ever to play the game. Perhaps the most, uh, the best pure scorer in the National Hockey League. All right. That's a pretty damn impressive list, Dave. I'm a little envious there. Um, I had to think about something during my run. <laughs> and you said an important thing there about uh, an owner being a steward. And we, I, I feel like that's not talked about enough. For a while, the NBA actually moved away from using the phrase owner and they started calling them investors. And, uh, and I think that that's an important thing that a lot of owners don't understand is that you are a steward of the team that you own. That team in most cases existed before you, it will exist after you. You are there for a period of time and you are to treat it in a way that reflects that city uh, as accurately and as positively as possible. And there's just not enough owners that do that. Uh, Chi, what do you, uh, what's your list? So for the owner, I'm going to go with Mark Lerner. Um, this baseball is uh, – the framework was there for the – and that's taking away nothing from Ted Leonsis that kind of picked him as well too. But with Lerner, um, it was a tough division, a division owned by the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets for a number of different years. And we saw the Washington Nationals win a championship. Now, was Lerner the driving force behind paying a guy like Steven Strasburg who gets hurt every third start? And that's going to be a contract that – I don't know if it's going to be worth it. 
Uh, yeah, and all owners have faults and stuff like that when it comes to these contracts. He probably made the right decision letting Rendon go, who's having a pretty poor year with the Angels. But Ted Lerner's my guy there. General manager, I'll go with Brian McClellan because of the fact that they have had just a powerhouse at Capital One Arena every single year, making the playoffs, and not just making the playoffs, but winning a Stanley Cup as well. So McClellan, and if he gets this Ovechkin done, deal done and Ovechkin re- – tires as a Washington capital then to me he certainly has the top spot um for head coach Davey Martinez he just became the leading uh most wins all time in the Nats Expos franchise series so for me it's got to be him and not this was a guy that on Saturdays I would think to myself when they were mired in that losing streak in 2019 why is this guy still the manager time to pull the plug and get somebody else in there Um, So it's just crazy how you can kind of shift your mind. Winning cures all. And then the player I'm going to be going with, man, that's a tough one. You guys have already said it's got to be Alex Ovechkin um, has just dominated for so long. And to me just represents and personifies Washington DC sports. Good, a good idea, Rob. I liked this. This is yeah, that's a good good list. Uh, George has a couple minutes before he's got to go sports cast. So uh, back cleanup for us, bud. All right, let's do it. I'm going with Ted as well. I think Ted is, uh, he knows what, uh, just like whatever, what David mentioned, all of it, and plus being here, uh, grew up, knew, knows the deal. Uh, I think he, Scott Brooks spoke very glowingly about him and how much he cares for employees within the organization. I think he saw that last year with COVID. I think that is a big part of it. I think he wants to win. I mean, a lot of people say, well, he doesn't care about the Wizards as much as the Capitals because that was his first love. But I think he is putting more into the Wizards now. Kind of that's just what I kind of gather. Um, and, uh, you know, just I think if, if you're looking at the landscape in D.C., for me, it's Ted is up here. That's just for me. As far as executive, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball here. I'm going Tommy Shepard. I think Tommy, I'm going to I'm going to give him the, the Westbrook deal was a huge thing this year. He pulled the trigger on that. Scott Brooks mentioned a number of times that a couple of years ago we made a change and Tommy took over. He mentioned that a number of times this year. So I'm going to look at Tommy as like the beginning of this now. We'll see what happens moving forward. Big offseason for him, dealing with coach two and players. So as of right now, I'm going Tommy Shepard. Ovi's the play. Oh, okay, let's go coach. I'm going with Ron Rivera. As uh, Rob was mentioning, you saw B, you've seen a big culture change already. Uh, Dan Snyder's been out of the way so far. I mean, we haven't even, you know, it, it's, that's always the big question. Will Dan step out of the way? Well, I don't think Ron's going to let him get involved right now. The way for everything that Dan made Ron deal with last year in this offseason, when the name changed to the lawsuits and this and that, I think Ron's got a stranglehold on this organization right now. And not just on the field, but off the field as well. And Ovi's got to be my choice also. I mean, he's a mainstay here. He's won the title. Uh, and just he's the superstar of Washington, D.C. It's Alex Ovechkin. All right. Uh, you got time for a parting thought, or that is your parting nope. thought? Nope. <laughs> that is your parting thought. See you guys <laughs> next week. Sounds good, man. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's try to get in uh, a little Mystics talk, guys. We haven't really talked Mystics this year, and uh, they are struggling at this point. And some of it is not their fault because they are injured. We still have yet to see Elena Deladon this year. Um, they, um, you know, they, they've been sort of limping into the season to a two and five start, third worst in the WNBA. Dave, I know you uh, you keep up with it pretty closely. Uh, what have you seen out of the Mystics so far? Well, I, I think what's what, 
And everybody had to deal with COVID last year. Everyone had to deal with the truncated season and things of that vein. I think that it it, it was at the worst possible time for this franchise because last year's team wasn't built to win the 2021 or 2022 WNBA championship. They were primed to repeat as WNBA champs. And so Elena Deladon not being able to play, it's not, and, and Natasha Cloud also not playing last year. So two key players. Also, I think Christy Tolliver leaving really hurt the chemistry. She's not necessarily the best player on the floor, but in many times during the championship run, she was their most essential player on the floor as far as a great glue player. And, and someone, even though she was in her 30s, was still a very high-quality player. The, the Mystics have gotten two years older. And everybody else has gotten younger. Everybody else has added first-round picks and, and, and talent. And unfortunately, the team that was primed to win last year didn't have the 2020 that they deserved. They did not have the repeat run. Nobody had the repeat run. Like the, the, the Nationals didn't have an ideal situation. But I think the, the Mystics had – their, their situation was even less than ideal. And so you wonder – how close this team is to rebooting? Do they are, is 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 this team going to revamp the roster, or are they going to reboot the roster? And it's unfortunate that we got to this point because they got robbed of uh, the whole you know all the excitement last year of hanging the banner, the victory parade, defending its title. Even if they came up short, they were still going to enjoy the the, the fruits of being a defending champ. That didn't happen. And this year, with the schedule being pushed here and there, it, it, it's been very difficult for them to plan. And uh, it, it's this this is going to be one of those grinder years that hopefully Deladon can come back and play. But uh, it's it, it, it's going to be a rough summer for this team. I hope they're able to find their way back to 500 and make the postseason. But right now, it doesn't look like they've got what it takes. Yeah, and, and even though they are, they have the third worst record in the league, they're only a game out of the eighth spot in the WNBA. So, I mean, it is plausible that they could make a run and try to get back in the postseason. And, oh, by the way, they, I mean, they uh, that, that Tina Charles trade has worked out well. I don't know that they even have won a game yet if they didn't make that Tina Charles trade because she had the streak of 30-point games and she's been, uh, uh, you know, really keeping them afloat and helping to keep them in games. Myesha Hines Allen coming back to the lineup. That was uh, very helpful for them. And uh, it was certainly a big reason why they were able to hang with Las Vegas in this most recent game. Oh, by the way, if you're watching this before uh, Tuesday night, they are uh, hosting uh, Minnesota, hopefully with a chance to get to three and five. Uh, uh, do you have any thoughts, Chris? Yeah, let's get a W. Uh, I know that they <laughs> lost by three against Las Vegas this past Saturday. So two and five record time to turn it around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any last thoughts, guys? I think uh, they're not charged. About the- <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk briefly about the Nats right now. Uh, they have a very huge week ahead of them, gentlemen. They play back-to-back series against division leaders. They take on Tampa Bay. We've got a Nats notebook on WTOP.com. So when you look at the huddle, we're kind of down in the corner <laughs> over there maybe. But, uh, you know, it's a huge week for them because – Right now, they're still in last place, even though they made progress last week. And they're not getting any closer to a New York Mets team that, for whatever injuries the Nats have had this year, the Mets have been banged up. I think the uh, most of the, the their starting eight has either been on the injured list this year or has been very close to being on the injured list this year. Uh, Juan Soto's finally hitting 348 last week with three homers, nine RBI. 
That's a positive. Steven Strasburg back on the injured list. That's a negative. Patrick Corbin has not found his 2019 form. That's disturbing. And it's, I've mentioned this all spring, the lineup just the, the, they've got pieces, but the whole does not equal the sum of its parts. And they, right now they can't outscore teams and they can't shut teams down with the exception of when Max Scherzer pitches. And, and John Lester's had some good outings as well, but you can't expect him to do that five starts out of five starts. So huge six, huge uh, six game stretch. They've got two against the Rays who lead the AL East and uh, they've got four against the surprising San Francisco Giants. The, the series against the Giants will be in front of a full uh, uh, capacity crowd at Nationals Park. So hopefully uh, the home crowd can get them back up in gear this weekend. Uh, that would be helpful. And, uh, uh, you know, to borrow a phrase I used last week, it's getting late early for the Nationals. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of at the point. I know it's a long season, but they're at the point now where they need to string some more wins together. Uh, Chi, what are you thinking, bro? A boy of mine who's a Mets fan has been kind of hitting me up all season. Like, oh man, when we trade for Max Scherzer, you better watch out because uh, the Mets are going to win the division. And I would just laugh him off and be like, you're being ridiculous and yada, yada. And while I still don't think they would ever trade Max Scherzer to the Mets, is it inconceivable if this team goes 15 games below 500 near the trade deadline that they say we can get a monster haul from the Padres or his hometown, St. Louis Cardinals or any contending team. And they say, let's do it. We're not going to win this year. It's the end of his contract. Um, we let's, let's give it a shot here. Let's see if we can start building towards the future because the more games, you know, you keep losing two of three in some of these series is, I mean, you're going to end up in a position where you're not competing for the division. So I still think, Again, Dave's mentioned it. You have to rob the framework with Trey Turner and Juan Soto being there. But uh, the bottom of the order has been pretty rough. I mean, Alex Avila can't hit. Not, not a lot of catchers can, but I just look at some of these position players. I'm like, you can't hit, man. Like, I don't feel a threat from you stepping to the plate. Uh, Starlin Castro goes through some of those times where he's really kind of swinging the bat well. And then other times I'm like, you're going to get fooled by if this guy throws an 85-mile-an-hour meatball. So, um <laughs> I think Washington probably doesn't trade him. I think that's a little bit far-fetched, but it's sad we're kind of even having some of those rumors being floated because of where this team is, and I didn't expect it. But, again, they could win six of seven, and we're having a different conversation next week. That's baseball. It's a long year. Yeah, and it seems like the division's too close for them to get so far out of it that they are obvious sellers there. But, I mean, you're right. If Scherzer isn't going to resign, or you get the sense that he's not going to resign, I mean, if you can get something good for him, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it off the table. And I think what we're seeing, we're seeing the 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 effect of this team being so good for so long. You know, they won their first division title in 2012 and they've continued to reach. Well, they've been in contention with the exception of last year. They've had a winning record every season. So even the 82 and 80 season under Davey Martinez, where they kind of sunk late and uh, they had to, they dealt, they unwinded by uh, dealing Daniel Murphy and a few other players uh, in August. This team has not been in the seller market for the most part where they can get those prospect halls. More often than not, they're in the buyer. They're, 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 they're buying and they're trading for uh, midseason relief help, whether it's been Brandon Kinsler or whether they brought in uh, Sean Doolittle or, you know, or whether they've, uh, you know, whomever they brought in. So, Right. We look at the farm system. 
is devoid of top-line prospects. There are no Trey Turners in AAA right now. There's a Carter Keyboom, but he is not major league ready, unfortunately. And the trick, the trickle effect of having Car- Carter Keyboom not being able to play at third base is huge because then all of a sudden Starling Castro has to play third. Josh Harrison, who is ideally a guy who plays a couple different positions, maybe gets 300 at-bats every year. He is now on track to get to the plate 500 times. He's not that guy. And you look at, you know, uh, Chris said that the bottom of the order, the bottom of the order that's not performing well actually starts with the third and fourth guy. And you can't have that on this team. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that it could, uh, you look at Kyle Schwarber. I think he has just a one-year deal. Um, I, Josh Bell, I don't know exactly what, I forget what his contract status is. Uh, they traded for him in the off season. So I, I could, I could see a team that needs, a left-handed yeah, that needs a bat uh, around the trading deadline in late July may give the Nationals a call. And I hate to say it, I, I, I you could easily move, uh, give Andrew Stevenson, you know, a full-time chance in the outfield, see what he can do, you know, with, uh, you know, starting seven games a week in a corner outfield position instead of in center field, which is not his natural spot. So I, 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 I would think to make those moves load up on a farm system if you're 10, 12 games under 500. But as you know, you guys, as we know, uh, this team can turn things around quick. This team is, is able to turn things around. And unfortunately, I think that might be working against their mindset because they know they can. There's not the same sense of urgency that uh, they had two years ago. Absolutely. Now, um, I'm going to give a parting shot. It's going to be a little melancholy here, but uh, we found out today that uh, Jim Fossil, the longtime NFL coach, has passed away at the age of 71, apparently had a heart attack. Uh, I Obviously, he's best remembered for being the head coach of the uh, Giants, uh, taking that team to a Super Bowl. And local fans will remember that uh, not only did the Ravens throttle the Giants in that game, uh, that was the season that he famously pushed his chips to the middle of the table and said that team was going to make the playoffs. And they did that with Kerry Collins, by the way, and ended up going to a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I remember him as the guy that was almost the coach of the Washington football team and, uh, coaches uh, or, uh, fans of a certain age may remember after Joe Gibbs, uh, surprisingly retired the second time, there was kind of a scramble there. And there was a rumor that they were close to hiring fossil as a head coach. There was a lot of fan outrage. And honestly, I don't know why he took a giants team that wasn't that good to a super bowl. Uh, he was pretty steady. They, uh, they only had three out of the seven lose, uh, three out of the seven seasons there, uh, was, uh, were losing seasons there for the giants. And, uh, and I mean, he was a solid coach and, uh, and quite frankly, he would have been a lot better than Jim Zorn. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's a guy who's, uh, whose legacy is, uh, maybe a little complicated, but, uh, he was a guy that was uh, pretty solid. He ended up being the offensive coordinator of the Ravens later. He and Brian Billick have been friends for a long time. He ended up being the offensive coordinator there and, uh, you know, got some mixed results, um, some better than others, but, um, you know, certainly we have, um, uh, you know, condolences for, to his family and, uh, you know, rest in peace coach. And, uh, because I love the huddle, but I don't love to pay for it. We're going to go ahead and break the huddle. I'm Rob Woodfork signing off. George Wallace is off doing God knows what Dave Preston, Chris Gian, Thanks for joining us. Break the huddle guys. Right.